Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast, where you find as normal me, Chris Bowne, the editor of Hotel Analyst, sitting with Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, to discuss three topics that we've seen that have caught our eye in the last week or so, and we think will be of merit to you, the listener, to hear a little bit more about as well. And the first of those is uh, just really reading the runes and trying to work out uh, what's going to happen for the next few months. Uh, We've got uh, update reports from uh, several of the agents and also um, AHV associates who are in a financial advisory, especially in the hotel and extended stay space. And they entitled their uh, year in research report, Reasons to be Cheerful. Andrew Harrington from AHV has been consistently positive and bullish through this uh, coronavirus crisis Um, and perhaps some of what he said has proved to be correct. Andrew, are you still full of brimful of optimism Mm. with with the vaccine news? I think we need to just touch on that that last point about what he said was correct because he's been saying about a V-shaped recovery from the get-go. I, I mean, it's very hard to see what we're experiencing right now as a direct V-shape. Um, mm, okay, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we, we, there was... A written release. with a very wobbly pen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there was a, re- a release out this week from uh, fourth uh, software um, provider, in the hospitality sector and they looked at the total number of job losses in the uk and they reckon one in four um, jobs have gone in hospitality 26 percent reduction headcount that's 650,000 people out um, on their ear and uh, you know in any reasonable scenario that is not a v-shape and i you know i do not see those 650,000 um, people getting jobs in hospitality um, very quickly again. Um, some will. I, I think there is an element of that, but I think uh, it, it's going to take a, a bit longer um, for that to happen. But first, let's let's just look at, you know, in terms of you talked about the next few months, what are we going to see? Well, I think we're going to have a very grim winter. Um, as we said at the outset of this um, crisis, we've said on this podcast back in March um, and going, you know, going on from there, we said that it's most likely we're going to have a series of stop starts. And I think this winter is just going to be a series of stop starts. And whilst we've got this fantastic news about the vaccines, um, and, and I think that's very important because what that has done has uh, has narrowed the range of possible outcomes for people and it, it, it's it's made it possible to look forward and say right by easter we're going to have a situation where all of the vulnerable in society and beyond um, are going to have the the vaccine in their arm i mean you know we're speaking now on a day, Chris, when the first vaccines were stuck into people's arms, yes, absolutely, um, which is a great, you know, it's great, great news. We're, you know, that's the first vaccine that's been approved. It's likely we're going to see a couple more approvals before Christmas, and who knows, you know, a few more even after that. And you know, and that will mean, particularly with the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, which is easier to to deploy. We, once that gets out in you know in being put into people's arms i think that's going to make a very rapid difference to to how we approach this pandemic because once we've got most of the vulnerable people um vaccinated and at 
at no risk or very very low risk um what what the what covid turns into is what some of these um sort of lockdown skeptics or whatever you want to call them have been banging on about which is it's just the flu case of flu yeah <laughs> and in fact hopefully less severe than flu yeah um i don't believe it is you know from the outset because i think you know it has proven it's not if mm. you look at excess deaths etc but um i don't want to get too much into that debate but certainly one thing i think you know listeners could watch out for is we're going to be talking a lot less about the r rate the reproduction rate and that's been the focus for all of the the lockdowns and tears and all this kind of stuff and um, we, we've got to get it down below 1.0 so that that the spread the level of spread is is it's shrinking rather than increasing um the new metric i think we're going to be talking a lot more about is the infection mortality rate and this is the the rate at which it's killing people and if we've got most of the most vulnerable vaccinated what we do know um is that people under the age of 40, 40 are barely impacted at all um by covid and you know for most people who are healthy um covid is not that profound a shock now i think we can disclose to listeners chris your situation <laughs> so i think you've got covid i am you? i was i was uh, tested on saturday and i'm covid positive as of uh, saturday yes so here and i am not exactly keeling over just yet are you so <laughs> no, no. um and then shall we say you're the you know like me you're the wrong side of 50 chris so um you know, <laughs> <Right> so. You know <laughs> but, but you, you're not 80 um and <laughs> no. um uh, and uh you know you're not in one of the truly vulnerable positions but you're certainly on the cusp of of entering that and you know and i think for people of your age and my age i think it's 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 you know it's concerning it's mm. it's flu-like a bad flu yeah um, absolutely potential risk level but no more um and once you get below that i think you know we're, we're on the list to get a vaccine at the end of the day even with this the first vaccine that's come out i'm i think i fit in you know about the over 50s are in category nine of the of the nine categories that get the jab um so you know i would anticipate getting the uh pfizer biontech jab before easter um mm. as as you will um so, if, if i um, need it i don't know whether yes, I, will. You quite. I don't know what they do then actually no. if you've tested positive but i don't know whether <laughs> they bother vaccinating you or not good question we'll i don't know <laughs> but but going back to the hospitality sector and you know the 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 impact um, you're right there'll be a, it, i think there'll be a big mentality change because when it as you say it becomes less if people say it's less of a less of a something that kills and something and more of something that's a nasty flu that we, that, we can live with that mm. would that will that could potentially kind of trigger quite a a change in the mentality of consumers and governments and um could suddenly start to kind of oil the wheels of uh, travel again yeah and get back to something like normality i mean supposedly now we're in a situation as long as you're not in tier three you can host an event for 1000 people inside mm. which is you know the first time since march we've been able to do that and this is an incredible shift we've had um, i don't think anybody's really going to be ho holding major events until probably about easter time but thereafter i think you know the uh, everything like that opens up i think once again and i, I, I suspect we're going to see some form of social distancing type thing um in place the rest of um, 2021 masks and hand sanitizers will be a feature for for some time but mm. but in the crucial bit about things reopening and people going out to do 
um, to, to get stuck into hospitality um, I, I think that that is we're going to see that from from Easter onwards so th- so that that is is the good news piece um, in in terms and I think that uh, and I think what we can talk about is you know it is in terms of there's a two two part we've talked about the k-shaped recovery mm. before and i think what we are seeing already is is on the upper arm of the k is where the investors are right now in terms of they're seeing the way out so they're very positive about things but i think the operators are in are on the lower arm of the k and it's still heading south for them and i don't think that's going to change until at the earliest easter when it starts really beginning to pick up significantly and even then it's going to be a long slow haul now the next topic we're going to look at is the subject of travel lodge for much of this year we've have been entertained by what's been going on at travel lodge as the owners uh, quite early on in the year uh, decided they could not afford to, to pay the rents on all of their leased hotels all around the uk uh, they launched a cva a procedure to basically strong arm the landlords into some rent cuts uh, and on the way into the the last phase of those negotiations before they got the cva agreed they had to concede uh, to putting a, a lease break option in all of the leases. Uh, so we've all been following since. What's likely to happen? Will lots of landlords move, leave? Who will come in to offer them an exciting alternative? And we're finally, I think, at the stage where we can begin to see uh, how things are going to work out for Travelodge. Um, and it looks like... Um, at least a dozen or more have already committed to to go to other operators and um, the interesting thing is whether many will still make that move now Andrew I think early on you said uh, you didn't think many would go and so it looks like you're almost being proven right Yes, so far. I mean, the, the official number Travelodge gives out hotels representing 98% of its profits last year um, have stayed with them. So, um, yeah, that doesn't look a, um, a terrific result for those hoping to to pull the, the properties away. But I, I mean, despite that, I, I you know I have to say it's hats off to a go. Um, I, I think they've done better than I certainly initially anticipated. Um, have they done well enough to? See I think they're going to have to bulk up beyond the nine they have to, to make a viable future. But um, so right now it's more like a score draw, I think, in the sort of travel lodge versus the <laughs> the, the others in, in terms of what's going on. I mean, from a travel lodge perspective, they they remain provided they hang on to that the, the ones they they say they've got. Um, that they remain the number two player in the budget hotel market they're in a powerful position they've got a compelling proposition for for owners um because of that network and it's it's a not dissimilar situation to to scandic um where scandic are in fact the number one operator in in the nordic regions in the slight market um segment above um where travel lodge sits more like premier in in that sort of mid scale um positioning um and and scandic have had you know very torrid time and they've just announced this week that uh, their occupancy was 20 percent in november um they've been trying to get rent reductions and they've got um, just under 50 million euros of rent reductions 500 million of swedish krona um so far um and they're saying look it's going to take several years to quote directly it will probably take several years for market rev part occupancy 
policy to return to levels prior to the pandemic. Um, and the situation is that rent uh, for the period January to September was 47% of net sales. For many hotels, rent exceeds turnover. I mean, it's clearly not a sustainable position. Um, now, would Scandic have taken the somewhat aggressive route of a, of a CVA, a company voluntary arrangement that Travelodge took? I don't know. It wasn't available to Scandic. They didn't have that facility mm. in the Nordics. But um, it, it, there's got to be some sort of deal um, there I think and there has to be some sort of give and take um, what's interesting I think with this is for me the go solution is the future for the, for the sector um, you, you've got to have more risk sharing in an appropriate structure um, but you know, ultimately if you are a big operator like Travel Lodge and you can demonstrate you're going to drive sales um, from from a landlord's perspective you're going to say well okay we'll, we'll take a you know a, a, another punt with you which seems to have been the, the case that most of the landlords uh, you know that's the way most of the landlords have thought with regard to, to Travel Lodge. Mm. But I mean I think what's interesting about this uh, this Go package you know which just as a refresher has got Ackle standing behind it um, at the A in yeah, and is, and is offering um, landlords a, a base level fixed rent with a variable rent uh, slice above and a kind of um, revenue share of the, uh, the, the 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 top line as well. What go, uh, what comes out of uh, goes as profits in the end. Um, this package is is quite an interesting one, and it's you know hats off to. Lionel Benjamin and the team who cr came up with it, created it, and you know have done, as he said the other day, eighteen months' work in five months, um, and have got mm. some you know mm. leases signed. Um, but what was what's really interesting to me is is where a go could go. So it was set up to draw Travel Lodge uh, properties away from Travel Lodge here in the UK and build help Accor build some more Ibis budget um, into its portfolio in the UK. Great, that's a good start. Um, but uh, they're now wondering whether this package has a potential to travel into other countries. Uh, and also, you know, uh, think about it, if you're Accor, would you not try and use this package to draw in Ibis styles, mainstream Ibis, Novotel, Absolutely. Why not? I mean, I think the thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that's that is that. I mean, my fear for it is they've got to bulk up. I mean, nine hotels is just not right, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, that, that that they've got to you know they need ninety. Well, Lionel tells me it's, really the game's not over yet because he believes there are quite a lot of travel lodge hotels who still have extensions to break the break option, and so it's not all over by the year end by any means, as he tells me. No, no, it's interesting, mm. and well, I mean, he's certainly done better. I mean, um, um, say good night, um, for example, which has been a bit good night for good yeah. night, hasn't it? In terms of they haven't got anything so far, um, and it doesn't look like they're going to be getting anything. So, there's some of the other players out there, and uh, I mean, some of the other brands that looked at poaching a few travel lodges have walked away empty-handed as well, with only Premier Inn picking up two. The, yeah. the two, isn't yeah. it? I think they yeah, did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to be so. fair, you know. They're probably most towns and where there's travelers there's probably a premier up the road as well so uh, yeah yeah, no, yeah. Okay. now the next topic we're going to look at is uh lo uk local authorities and how they've been loving to spend on real estate in the last few years um some wisely some less wisely um and to roost because of the covid pandemic because 
those promised revenue streams have been upended uh, as so many people in the private sector have found uh, to their shock and horror as well <coughs> is uh, there's been plenty of criticism of those who've those overzealous ones who've borrowed heavily to invest in property that's not within their borough and does not have an immediate sort of regenerative effect to their their area um, several councils have borrowed billions um, one that's famously bought a great big office campus outside of its borough shopping centers elsewhere in the country and uh, th th some of these uh, uh, honestly we're just trying to create like a real estate company to make a turn on on the borrowing which they thought would create a, a comfortable easy revenue stream to help fund their services into the future and hasn't worked out that mm. well no i mean if you're going to take a bet i mean if you're a council official trying to be an investment manager um you kind of bet that it's not going to come good um i mean the investment law is you know you you, you sell out to the dumb money and i think councils are <laughs> yeah. the very definition of, of of dumb money i think if you look at one or two deals you can say that was a very <laughs> good summary andrew yeah particularly um, i think of a hotel in croydon at the moment yeah yeah right yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know it's if they were good as investment managers they would go and get a job as an investment yeah. manager rather than inside a council um, but you know, the unfortunate piece is that I, I think it could just put off councils altogether from doing what they need mm. to do which is to to think about public-private partnerships to expand and grow uh, tourism infrastructure because the way out of this recession as we've repeatedly said in this podcast um, is not going to be agriculture you know we're not going to subsidize our farmers even more than we do already thank you very much um, we're not going to subsidize manufacturing as the way out of this you know at the end of the day manufacturers jobs we can't compete with um, outsourced jobs in China um, and the kind of manufacturing we do is high value stuff um, which is not big employment the employment is going to come from what we do in hospitality the experience economy and sensible councils will look at that and say well actually is there a way we can really spark this really get this going with some sensible public private partnerships and investment in in tourism infrastructure which will deliver you know um, a, an outsized return in in terms of not just uh, the actual money the council's putting down but also the jobs that's being created and the tax base that's been grown as a result so if, if they can take that bigger picture piece and employ that uh, appropriately um, I think that could be good news but uh, uh, there's little sign of it so far but I think well, you know, one would hope that, that well it does exist because I spoke to Mark Finney at uh, Colliers who's actually done quite a lot of work um, on hotel schemes involving local authorities and his view is that there are good guys as just as there are bad guys and he's and he's also made yeah. the point that perhaps now is the time for councils to actually you know uh, double down on this policy and do it diligently and sensibly because if you've got a town centre that's hollowing out due to the demise of yet another department store yet another fashion store then why shouldn't you be considering putting in a lower end hotel into that old department store which will draw in visitors which will give people a reason to pop into the around the rest of the town centre and buy food and beverage and maybe do some shopping during their stay and put put footfall and money into local into local retail pockets so um 
he's he sees plenty of sense in that and and he says well he's seen quite a few situations where uh, perhaps a mixed use scheme will will be proposed and the developer finds it quite easy to get um, uh, other elements of the scheme backed but perhaps a hotel slightly worries the um, the potential lender investor well that's the precise moment when a council if they can honestly see uh, a substantial benefit overall and it's not just a vanity project um, why wouldn't they then find the find yeah. the wherewithal to just help oil the wheels yeah i agree i mean i'd also like them to think even bigger than that and actually start investing in some major tourism infrastructure you know art centers you, you look at um what you can do to take liverpool for, mm-hmm. as an example of what you can do if if with the appropriate levels if you look at that whole liverpool dockside actually um what peel has done there has been um, pretty amazing um and that that sort of investment and i think in particular some of the towns uh, rather than the bigger cities and if we can get some investment in towns it doesn't have to be on the scale of the Tate Liverpool but smaller art centres and and things like that and it might just be it's a gym or a swimming pool or something like that which you, you know many of our towns are crying out for um, make them more desirable locations to come and live and increasingly work remember we've got this potential for the for the longer distance worker now with more remote working etc so now's the opportunity for those local towns to, to think big and actually do something um, in terms of growing um, the potential that, that that exists there within their within their within their tourist offer and let's see a bit of that it, it's you know tourism doesn't really encompass it actually I think it needs to be the experiential economy offer is a, is a bit, perhaps a better way of, of talking about it and I think the the local authorities ought to be thinking in those terms and thinking thinking yeah about our five star and no star awards and five star award this week the five star award this week is going to interstate hotels the third party manager for uh, pulling on board the jupiter portfolio we've been writing about how um third party managers are going to do well out of this situation and uh, hats off to them for making a good start yeah, it's a big trend, and I think we're going to see much uh, more of that. Um, it's interesting the, the impact this is going to have on the global majors as it hollows out their management capability. It's huge in the States right now in terms of Ambridge, which is the... Um, um, well, I suppose you could call it the parent. It's a merged entity with mm. um, Interstate. Um, and um, I mean, very rapid growth, and there's expectations to see a, a lot more of that over the next few years. So it's, it's going to be really one to watch this growth of the, the third party manager, I think. Um, but certainly, that that um, interstate deal is uh, a worthy winner of our five star. And drumroll, please. No Star Award this week goes to Britannia Hotels, who for the eighth year in a row have be- been declared. The worst British hotel brand by uh, the the Consumers Association and their famous Witch magazine. <laughs> it's true. It's truly appalling. And and reading the comments of some of the customers, um, I think I think it was summed up for me. The one who said, "Well, you know, even in the height of a pandemic, they can't clean their rooms properly." Um, it truly, truly appalling customer service. I mean, they, they, it's not just you know they are um, a quantum behind everybody else in the marketplace, um, and it's just astonishing. Um, and yet, you know, they they are one of our biggest hotel 
change and continue yes, to grow. Yes, yes, keep raking it in and keep buying. Bizarre, isn't it? Anyway, there we are. Mm. That's uh, all for this week. Uh, so we'll say goodbye for now. <laughs>